America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. trouble hearing the feed there jacob anyway here i am did you miss me i am your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome to radio free canada news notes and opinions from the underground for monday january the 9th in the year of our lord 2023 this is my first live show of 2023 so my first opportunity to wish everyone a happy new year I want, actually, I want to wish you more than just a happy new year. I want to wish you good health, peace, prosperity, 
Yes, prosperity. I hope you make lots of money. And I add that to take off the socialists in the audience. I doubt very much there are any socialists listening to this program. Unless, of course, they've been hired to monitor this program and take notes and report back to their commissar. So this should be interesting. After being away from the show for two weeks, if I uh, we'll see if I can still figure out how to work everything. Got my stream deck and my roadcaster audio board and i have to remember to unmute my microphone <laughs> thankfully i have jacob my technical producer to uh, to hold my hand happy new year jacob how are you i'm good richard it was a uh, a lovely break lots of lots of rest i mean i was sleeping a lot uh, also lots of sports it was a great time for a sports fan between the world juniors and everything going on in the world of football and just great spending time with friends and family ah wonderful wonderful and a happy new year to you, Declan. How Thank are you? you, Richard? Happy new year to you as well. I'm Declan, very good. Declan has a new haircut. He has a new pair of glasses. And I have to ask you this. You would not believe the emails that I've been getting during the Christmas break. People wanting to know, did Declan get his toy train from Santa? And I said, yes, he did. He's very excited. Have you have you put it together yet? Are you playing with your toy train, Declan? Uh, so I, I laid out all the... All the cookies, the milk, and everything. I got the toy. I got the toy on New- on Christmas. We laid it out. Got the track. Got a cur- currently moving around the house right now. Got nice. the track moving. Nice. If I want to pick it up and move it somewhere in the living room, outside maybe. It's going wherever I want it to go. How sweet! How what sweet. color? What color is the train, Declan? It's like Thomas the Tank Engine. It's like okay. Blue. <laughs> you got to keep it within the theme. So Thomas the Tank. All right. Uh, 2023. I um, I have to ask you this. Um, I have a question for you. You know, the, the when the new year rolls around, it usually takes me about six months to, to write the correct year whenever I write a check. And yes, I still write checks. Uh, young people don't know what checks are. Anyway, I'll, um, so I'll be entering 2022 when I write a check until about June. And then I'll finally clue in and figure it out. Um. But I still grapple with this. When do you stop wishing people a happy new year? Because we're we're nine days into 2023 and I haven't spoken with the two of you. So this is my first chance to say happy new year. But if I run into somebody next month, say February the 23rd, and I haven't seen them since last December. Can I still wish them a happy new year? Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just having this kind of a same discussion with a friend the other day. He was asking, what point of the year can you say that someone has an early birthday? To that, I say anything born, anyone born in the month of January, that's fair game for an early birthday. But the cutoff's a bit stricter for this question. I would say if you see someone in the first two two weeks of the year, you can wish them a happy new year. After that point, it gets a, it gets a little bit dicey because think about all the times you would have heard happy new year by that point. It's old news at that point. Right, right. I mean, there should be a universally accepted cutoff date. I don't know. Like, as you say, first two weeks, January 18th, I'm going to put that out there. January 18th. After that, you can no longer wish someone a happy new year. So um, like the, uh, the Jewish new year, Rosh Hashanah, that's uh, September, right? Uh, approximately yeah usually right. it's in september right so i mean is there a cutoff date after that you don't wish anyone a happy new year i don't know uh, typically that lasts until yom kippur because it's about a week or, or so after yeah. rosh hashanah after that point it's no one really says it all right now here's another question for you jacob because according to the hebrew calendar 
Do you know what year it is? Oh, God. I, I did know, but this is so long ago at this point. I don't remember. It's 5783. That's crazy. 5783. So, I mean, do you still catch yourself writing 5782 whenever you write a check? Oh, all the time. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm writing a lot of checks. So about about 50% of them are having the wrong year. But that's uh, right. to those who get a, a check with the right date with 5783, consider yourself lucky. There you go. I mean, it's true. Checks are making a, a comeback because stores, they don't want to. Av- well, they want to avoid the credit card fees because they're going up, 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 up. So stores now are starting to write except checks. You're starting to you've probably been stuck behind someone like me in the express lane at the food basics, writing a check. Isn't that so uh, wonderful when that happens? But uh, I mean, I, I get strange looks from young people in retail when I pay with cash. It's like, what is that? Well, it's, it's, it's called paper money. Who are those people? Well, that's, that's our late sovereign queen Elizabeth. See, she's on the, on the 20 and uh, that's, that's Wilfred Laurier, one of our prime ministers. And that's Sir John a, the father of our country. Um, you know, speaking of the Queen and money, when do we get the new bills with King Charles III? Anyone know? Has anyone heard? Or will King Charles maybe not be on our money because, you know, he's a, he's a colonizer and a white male. So I'm, I'm wondering, maybe instead of King Charles III on our $20 bill, we'll end up with a picture of a biological male in a in a wig who's being commemorated for winning a gold medal for women's boxing. So we'll, we'll put a picture of a man who thinks he's a woman who won a gold medal for beating up an actual woman. We'll, we'll put that person on our $20 bill. And there you have my first prediction actually for 2023 that pretty much sums up our country right now. This country has become a series of Monty Python flying circus sketches uh, New Year's resolutions. You know, I um, I don't make them generally. I don't like setting myself up for failure. Or if I do make them, I set the bar very low to avoid disappointing myself. I mean, who needs the pressure, right? Uh, but I'll, I'll make I'll make a couple here for the record. I'm going to be tougher. I I resolve to be tougher on our politicians in 2023. And on the ruling class and the mainstream media, I think I pretty much gave them a pass the last two years. Wouldn't you say I was a little a little too easy? I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore and defer to political correctness. I'm just going to say what I think and say how I feel. No more filters. Let me um, let me let me try this out here and see if I can do this. Um, Okay, so. Uh, so when you see a, a young, healthy athlete suddenly clutch their heart and then collapse on the playing field, it's probably the vaccine. There. I said it there. That's better. I feel better. That's what I'm going to go for. That's that's my approach. It's probably the vaccine. Poor Jessica Robb, uh, this this young uh, lady, an Edmonton CTV field reporter. The whole world is talking about this. The whole world, except for Canada, of course. I don't know if you've seen the video clip. Uh, Jessica Robb, Edmonton, CTV, probably. Uh, Well, she's obviously having some kind of medical episode on camera. And I hope to God she's okay. I pray she's okay. On Sunday, uh, she was covering a a location for Canadian News, uh, for CTV, rather. And in the middle of a conversation with the presenter, Nariman Issa, she began slurring and repeating words on the live broadcast and 
everyone, of course, asking the obvious question, could this be related to the vaccine? And Jessica Robb apparently has indicated on social media accounts that she's triple vaxxed. But the whole world, the whole world is asking this question, a totally valid question. But if you ask it, if you dare to ask it, suddenly you're worse than Hitler. Now, our good friend David Freiheit, Viva Fry, uh, tweeted CTV Edmonton to ask, you know, what happened? And he was immediately blocked on Twitter. I mean, it's unbelievable. So for two years, it was totally acceptable to demand people divulge their vaccine status. The vaccine free were constantly portrayed in the media as selfish and reckless and terrorists and a danger to children and grandparent killers. Meanwhile, of course, celebrities, public figures took nonstop selfies of themselves, getting their first, second, third, fifth jab, posting it to social media. Then a triple vaxxed reporter has a serious medical episode on camera, starts slurring her speech, has difficulty speaking, appears ready to collapse. You have a football player for the Buffalo Bills goes into cardiac arrest after being tackled in a televised game. A young basketball player collapses, another one, almost one a week, it seems. And if you ask, were they vaccinated? You're worse than Hitler. So uh, I pray Jessica Robb is okay. I don't know if it was the vaccine. I don't know if it was the vaccine that caused Buffalo Bill safety, Damar Hamlin, to suffer a heart attack. But given the data that's out there, it's a totally legitimate question. I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Well, I'm going to start talking about the elephant in the room. Was it the vaccine? I mean, amazing how the experts can immediately rule out the vaccine. Don't even ask the question. Don't even go there. How dare you? How dare you politicize someone's medical emergency? It's totally unwarranted. It's not the vaccine. We know that for a fact. Right. Oh, you're right. All of these young, healthy athletes having strokes and heart attacks at an alarming rate. All of the data worldwide showing excess mortality. It's not the vaccine. We can rule that out categorically. We don't even need to look into, into it or, or, or investigate. We know what it is. It's climate change. Well, climate change combined with racism. It's a deadly cocktail. All right. When we come back, Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here. We'll talk about the College of Psychologists veering recklessly off course into policing political speech, the targeting of Dr. Jordan Peterson. That's next. The Richard Serracho off and running for Jan 9th, 2023. Keep your stick on the ice. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. I was um, half joking earlier that when you read the news here in Canada, it seems like we're living out a uh, sketch from Monty Python's Flying Circus every day. This next story, though, seems to come, I don't know, right out of Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago. The College of Psychologists, the governing body in here in, in Ontario, that oversees, regulates, licenses, or license, yeah, licenses uh, psychologists like Dr. Jordan Peterson, appears to have veered recklessly off course and and now is um, policing political speech. And they want Dr. Jordan Peterson to attend a sort of re-education camp. Not exactly the type uh, from the Cultural Revolution, but pretty close. 
They want him to go to a uh, social media retraining program. Or I suppose he could face losing his license. Sheila Gunn-Reed is with Rebel News. She's the Alberta Bureau Chief and host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m., rebelnews.com. Hey, Sheila, Happy New Year. How are you? Same to you. Thanks for having me on the show. So um, the College of Psychologists, uh, they have the power to pull Dr. Peterson's ticket, right? Yes, they do. Um And I think that's the most atrocious thing here is that if he does not ideologically conform to the will of the College of Psychologists of Ontario, he can lose his license to practice. And he has done nothing wrong to his patients. These complaints are not coming from his patients. They are coming from busybodies who are complaining about his tweeting and his political ideology. Not a single person, as best I can tell, has ever complained about him as a, as a, a clinician whatsoever. These are, as I called them previously, lady gulaggers who don't like the fact that uh, Jordan Peterson expresses a view that they don't like. So, so, for example, um, I recall a, a, a tweet or a series of tweets, comments about this plus size model that was posing on the cover of, of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. And he was called out, oh, you're you're fat shaming and so forth, because the the inference was here that that we are putting a plus size model, um, a fat model in a swimsuit and you must find her beautiful. And if you don't find her beautiful, then we find you in contempt. And he just he, he couldn't countenance that. And so he he tweeted that out. So that is one apparently of the incidents that's being cited by the College of Psychologists. Um, what else is he uh, what else do they find uh, unacceptable in his social media posts? You know, before we move on to that, it's it's interesting that there's angry at Jordan Peterson for that because Jordan Peterson is a believer. I don't think I'm I'm putting words in his mouth when I say this, but of objective reality and objective beauty. And when you have someone who is arguably obese on the cover of a sports magazine, there's something not quite linked with reality there. But one of the other things that he came under fire for was uh, being critical of Ottawa police chief or interim police chief. Thankfully, he didn't get the job full time. Steve Bell, when he sprung it on everybody during the convoy that, oh, hey, if you are participating in the Freedom Convoy and your kids are here, we're going to take your kids. Uh, Jordan Peterson tweeted children removed. How exactly? Why exactly? By whom exactly? Sent to where exactly? And for how long exactly? Think this through, Canadians. This is a bad decision. Somebody thought that was objectionable. Um, Jordan Peterson also um, replied to somebody who said, you know, there are just too many people on the face of the earth. You know, there's this whole side of um, academia and environmentalism that sees humans as a plague on the earth. And there's just too many of us. He told this person, well, you're free to leave at any point. And again, that was objectionable to these people. But again, Jordan Peterson is just simply pointing out that they mean there's too many of people like you and me, Richard, and not like them. Um, And so those are just a few of the tweets that have sort of had him run afoul of um, the re-educators at the College of Psychologists of Ontario. Sheila, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue to discuss the uh, the persecution of Dr. Jordan Peterson. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. 
Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. The Ontario College of Psychologists has decided that they are going to start policing political speech. And uh, they are targeting Dr. Jordan Peterson, who practices psychology in the province, taking him to a task, threatening, well, not threatening, they are going to send him to a social media retraining program. Think of it as a, think of it as cultural, a cultural revolution light, uh, a re-education camp. Because they don't like his political views. And if he doesn't change them, they're threatening to pull his ticket. Sheila Gunn-Reed is with us, Rebel News Bureau Chief for Alberta, host of the Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, rebelnews.com. Uh, I mean, so you one, I suppose, could argue that um, his tweets about obese swimsuit models on the cover of Sports Illustrated uh, or government overreach as uh, with regards to the Freedom Convoy, police threatening to take children away from truckers. One could argue, OK, um, you know, maybe that was ill advised and, and please, you know, uh, rein yourself in, Dr. Peterson. Uh, but then when he starts retweeting some posts by conservative uh, leader Pierre Polyev and they take exception to that, I mean, that's just the car is just completely off the road at this point. Yeah, and I, I wonder how these people thought this was going to end, because right now, Jordan Peterson has said to these people, you want to dance? Let's dance. He's asking for a judicial review um, in the Ontario Divisional Court, and he is um tweeting about this more than ever. But do these people even know who Jordan Peterson is? This is the man who spoke so eloquently in 2017 against Bill C-16, which is compelled speech provisions, which would basically criminalize misgendering somebody. And he came out strongly against compelled speech, um, that the government would criminalize the words leaving your mouth. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. It's just astounding that, that the college thought that they could get away with this, get away with this without very much fanfare. They've turned, um, I think, probably a personal grudge they had with one of the brighting, brightest shining stars in their field into an international PR disaster. They picked a fight with, I think, the most eloquent and probably the most the, the preeminent thinker in the Anglosphere. I know depending on the day and the region, 
his books are only outsold by the Bible. So, so hmm. I, I don't know how they thought this was going to end. And like Jordan Peterson is is taking the fight to them. I thought, how do I help the people throw show their support for Jordan Peterson, given that he's had such an impact in so many people's lives, particularly young men? So at Rebel News, we set up a special website. It's at SavePeterson.com. And there are two ways that people can express their discontent with the college. One is I give the phone number out of, of the college. So if people want to pick up the phone during business hours, give them a call. Be polite, super polite, because it's not the receptionist's fault that the rest of the college is crazy. So be polite, be firm. You can express your disgust with the college during business hours. But on that same website, savepeterson.com, I've got a preloaded one-click email. You can just click it, send an email directly to the college. It's pre-written, expressing your disagreement with what they're doing, their their re-education style, I guess, Maoist struggle session they want Peterson to go through. You can do that there. And I think... Almost 7,000 people have sent sent the college an email um, as of this morning when I checked. And I think that's probably more emails than those people get in a year. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's ironic, isn't it? What, what is the College of uh, or the Ontario College of Psychologists, their, their Twitter account? What do they have? 1,400 followers? Yeah. Jordan Peterson's, uh, I mean, his followers are legion in the millions. Uh, maybe he should be giving them a social media training course. You might think, (laughs) you know, this is this is the thing, though, with people who exist in a bubble who think that their views are the right ones. They are very rarely exposed to anything outside of their bubble. They likely picked a fight with Jordan Peterson, not knowing how beloved he is, not knowing the, the exact size of his profile or how many people he's helped. They live in a bubble where they they think that the people across the table are not not just different than them, but evil. And so they never reach out to actually find out what they're actually saying and who they're saying it to. Yeah. The the other great irony or tragedy, I suppose, is uh, this college is responsible for regulating the people that are supposed to be sort of helping us with our, our, our mental health. Uh, (laughs) That's, that's not a good sign when you have these clowns uh, in, in charge. Uh, Sheila, always appreciate your, your time and your tremendous insights. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Have a great day. You too. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m., rebelnews.com. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines in the next segment, 289-275-9600. Just a quick sampling of calls, 289-275-9600. I want your predictions for 2023. There will be bonus points for creativity, and there will be bonus points uh, for the most absurd, seemingly absurd. I say seemingly, I need to qualify. Seemingly absurd. They may seem absurd on the face, face of it. But keeping in mind, let's look at the context. We're living in Canada. There's nothing too absurd to predict in this country. My prediction, King Charles King Charles III will not be placed on the $20 bill. Instead, it will be a biological male in a wig who will be commemorated for receiving a gold medal for Boxing in the women's division. He'll be memorialized, immortalized for beating up a woman. 289-275-9600. Your predictions next on The Richard Serrett Show. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. 
All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600. That's the number to get on board. Join the conversation. 289-275-9600. Asking for your predictions for 2023. Again, bonus points for creativity. Bonus points uh, for the most seemingly absurd prediction for Canada in 2023. I mentioned... uh, Edmonton CTV field reporter Jessica Robb, who on uh, Sunday had a medical episode on camera. It's all over social media. The whole world is talking about it, except, of course, in Canada. I just wanted to play that for you. Here we go. Jessica Robb has come just a week before the third anniversary. Well, people we spoke with say they were happy that something is being done. But this is something that they've been asking for since day one. So for them, this is about a thousand days too late. Now, Nariman, I'm looking at uh, after the, the, the day, families are pushing feds to pushing the feds to. Sorry, Nariman, I'm 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 not feeling very well right now, and I'm about just. Okay, we'll come back to me right now. We'll make sure that Jessica, you are doing okay. Thank you. We will make sure that Jessica is okay. So, and we will give you guys an update a little bit later to make sure that she is doing all right. She is not alone. She is with, uh, has come just a week. There you go. That's, uh, Jessica Robb. And again, I pray that she's okay. I haven't, um, I, I've been looking for updates. I haven't seen any updates online, but again, the, the whole world, Media outlets around the world are talking about this, but not here in Canada. Ignore the elephant in the room. Now, this may not be the elephant in the room. It may not be the vaccine. According to her social media accounts, she was quite pleased that she's triple vaxxed, and that's her right. Certainly, that's her choice. But now, if you even... If you have the temerity to raise the question as to whether it might have something to do with the vaccines. And you, you ask that question because you've been paying attention to the data. You've been following the data. But if you ask that question, you're worse than Hitler. We had the uh, horrible episode on a football game. The NFL, Buffalo safety, Dharma Hamlin. And I don't, I'm not a huge football fan. I watched the tackle. It didn't seem to me to be a particularly um, hard tackle. But again, I'm not an expert. I don't follow football that closely. I do follow people on social media who are, who claim to be, serious football fans. Their observation was the same as mine. And Dharma Hamlin obviously suffered a a serious cardiac arrest, heart attack. Seems to be recovering now in hospital, thank God. Football players in the NFL are mandated to have the vaccine. A number of them have spoken out publicly and been vilified for doing so. But again, the experts... They know, they know categorically 
has nothing to do with the vaccine. The same experts, of course, were unable to foresee that the vaccine would not prevent transmission, would not prevent infection. They didn't see that happening, but they know for sure that these scores and scores of healthy young athletes in the prime of their life, in peak physical condition that are clutching at their heart, collapsing on playing fields around the world on a daily basis, a weekly basis, certainly, in unprecedented numbers, they know for a fact it's not the vaccine. And how dare you even suggest it could be the vaccine? Enough is enough. We have to start talking about the elephant in the room. It's long past time. So I'm going to put it on a T-shirt. Probably the vaccine. Probably the vaccine. When we come back, Jay Goldberg will be here. His first appearance of 2023. His first of many, I'm sure. Jay is the uh, Ontario and Atlantic Director, Interim Atlantic Director for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And um, he's put together a, uh, a series of resolutions, three New Year's resolutions, Ontario Premier Doug Ford should make for 2023. And he'll share those with us in mere moments. The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960. Back with more right after these. Back to the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. I mentioned earlier, uh, I made a couple of New Year's resolutions live on this program. I don't generally make them. I don't like to set myself up for disappointment. (laughs) But I made a couple on the air. I was being somewhat facetious, I suppose. One was that I was going to stop taking it so easy on our politicians, on the ruling class, on the mainstream media. Uh, the other one I would add to that is uh, I'm going to I'm going to continue to focus on being a good person, but I'm going to de-emphasize being a nice person. Uh, as a good friend of mine pointed out, you know, he, he considers himself to be a good person but not a nice person. I think that's a, it's a vitally important. Distinction. I think it is far more important to be a good person than to be a nice person. Jay Goldberg is um, with the Ontario or the Ontario director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and he has some New Year's resolutions in mind for our premier, Doug Ford. Jay joins us now. Hey, Jay, happy new year. How are you? Same to you. Very well. All right. So um, you have three particular resolutions in mind for the premier. Three New Year's resolutions you'd like to see him make. Let's start with the first one. So the first New Year's resolution we're calling on Premier Ford to make is to cut the HST by one percentage point. The reason we're making that uh, resolution for Premier Ford is because government revenue from the sales tax last year was $4 billion higher than the government expected. And if you cut it by one percentage point, that's still going to be less money out of government coffers compared to all the extra money that's going there. 
So this resolution is really just calling on Doug Ford not to take advantage of inflation, which politicians have been doing all over this country, and to leave the money in taxpayers' pockets where it should be in the first place. If you cut the um, if you cut the HST, the sales tax, would it would it not increase revenue? I remember. Um, you know, when back in I'm old enough to remember Ronald Reagan and talking about tax cuts and during the presidential debates, they were saying, if you if you cut taxes, you'll reduce revenue, we'll fall deeper into debt. And his one of his economic advisors at the time, a guy by the name of Laffer, uh, L.A.F.F.E.R., came up with something called the Laffer curve, which showed that if you if you cut taxes, you actually increase revenue. Would that be the same effect if you were to cut the uh, the provincial portion of the HST, you could increase revenue, not decrease it. It's very possible. Um, you know, we could see that people, because there's lower prices, are, are more willing to spend. And that could be a, something that could happen. We've also seen now it's not with personal taxes, but when the Harper government cut the corporate income tax several years in a row, uh the income uh, tax revenue for the government went up every single year. So that was a very clear example of the Laffer curve actually uh, working, as you were alluding to. And so it's very possible that lower taxes will stimulate the uh, incentive for people to go out and spend more money and would actually lead to higher revenue for the government. Well, maybe we shouldn't stop at just one point on the uh, the sales tax. Maybe you should maybe she cut it by two cents. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Jay Goldberg is with us, Ontario director for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and he has three New Year's resolutions for Doug Ford. So number two, what is the second resolution? The second one is don't go back into deficit. They balanced the budget last year. This was the most secret surplus we've seen in the history of Ontario. Doug Ford did not even want to acknowledge the fact that they had balanced the budget last year. And the reason was because he's planning to go right back into deficit this year and for four more years to come. That's the wrong approach for Ontario. We are already seeing that the debt interest payments we are making this year are up by $2.4 billion compared to where they would have been if interest rates weren't being hiked all throughout this year. And so you see the very natural consequence of all of this borrowing, all of the spending and all of this inflation. And it's more expensive than in in decades for the government to borrow money. So it makes no sense to go back into deficit. They finally balanced the budget. It took them 15 years uh, and they did it by accident. But we're here and it's the absolute wrong thing to do to borrow even more money when borrowing is already the most expensive that it has been in years And we're spending well over a billion dollars a month on debt interest. And each billion dollars could get you a brand new hospital. So there's no excuse for going back into deficit this year. A billion a month. That's, uh, as you say, that's a state of the art hospital. That's 12 new hospitals in the province every year they could be building and should be building, quite frankly. Uh, And it wouldn't take a lot of of um, discipline in terms of of spending. How could they? Even without touching health care, let's say, how could they keep the, uh, the, the, uh, the, balance, the budget balanced? Really, all they need to do is hold the line. All they need to do is hold the line. If they can hold expenses to about where they were last year, the government's going to be free and clear. They're going to have a sizable surplus and they could even return money to taxpayers through things like an HST cut. The problem is 
The Ford government is planning to ramp up billions and billions of dollars of new spending, uh, which is not paid for and which will send the province back into deficit territory. But it's very simple. All they need to do is keep spending where it is. They, they really don't even need to cut spending. They just have to not let it balloon out of control, which seems to be their plan. Right. I mean, you're um, in addition to being Ontario director, you're also interim director for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation for the Atlantic provinces and uh, New Brunswick and maybe Nova Scotia. Did they both they both balance their budget, didn't they? They did. And New Brunswick balanced its budget every year, even during the pandemic. They've had a balanced budget for five years now. Just this past year alone, the premier paid down a billion dollars worth of debt, which a billion dollars may not sound quite as much here in Ontario, but a billion dollars is a heck of a lot in New Brunswick. And so they've been doing great work there. I think Doug Ford should uh, call up his friend Blaine Higgs, the premier over there, and get some advice before the next budget comes down here. As you say, it's it's not hard to do. So why don't they do it? I mean, I know that's an obvious, stupid question, but why Well, look, I think Doug Ford, he's a populist. He's someone who seems to want to please uh, various uh, interest groups. But what I would say is the number one largest interest group in this province, you know, it's not the education lobby. It's not the unions. It's not the business lobby. It's taxpayers. That is the largest interest group. And what we want to see is some discipline and lower taxes and a balanced budget. So, you know, if he's wanting to uh, please people, he should be looking at taxpayers all across the province uh, as his audience. All right. So what's the third and final New Year's resolution that uh, Doug Ford should adopt? Well, this is this is a good one. It's stop giving money to wealthy corporations that don't need our help. Listen, you often hear po- people on, on the left side of the political spectrum complaining about, uh, you know, governments being cozy with corporations Uh, But I think this is a point that people all across the spectrum can get on. Last year, the Ford government gave over half a billion dollars to Stellantis. They are a Fortune 500 company just to, you know, change up a little bit some of their plants in Windsor and Brampton so that they can start to make parts for electric cars instead of just general cars. But they handed over half a billion dollars. That's half of a brand new state of the art hospital to this Fortune 500 company didn't need our help. And I think people on the left, on the right, the center, everywhere can agree we should not be giving billion dollar corporations hard earned taxpayer dollars just so they can, you know, potentially stay in Ontario. They might have been staying anyway. And a better solution is to lower your corporate tax rate so that Stellantis stays and that small businesses and large businesses and medium sized businesses from all over Ontario stay and from all over North America come to Ontario. If you want to figure out a way to have businesses stay in Ontario, you can't just cherry pick and pay a handful of them who might have stayed in Ontario anyway. You need to make this province an attractive place for companies from all over to come to Ontario. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. 
call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Precisely. All right. Three great suggestions for New New Year's resolutions for Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Jay Goldberg, Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Taxpayer.com, the website. Jay, Happy New Year. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Hour two awaits. Tom Korski, managing editor, Black Locks reporter, will be here with another sad tale. At least 2,400 former soldiers, sailors and air crew, Canadian vets, homeless in Canada, with the actual number likely much higher. That's according to the Department of Veterans Affairs. He'll have that story. And in our feature interview segment, David Horowitz, the author of The Final Battle, The Next Election Could Be the Last. That's all upcoming. Hour two of The Richard Serrett Show. Keep it right here on Saga 960. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show, my first live broadcast of 2023. And uh, again, I'm calling to uh, institute a universally accepted cutoff date for wishing people a happy New Year's. It'll be January 18th, I think. It should be January the 18th. After that, you are not to wish people a happy New Year. So we've got nine days. There'll be some people that I haven't talked to over the next nine days since last December. So... It's acceptable for me to wish them a happy new year, but not after January 18th. That's just an arbitrary number I recognize, but uh, let's let's institute that, shall we? All right. If you missed hour one of my first live broadcast of 2023, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way, including towards the uh, the tail end of the program in our uh, feature interview slot is David Horowitz, who's a conservative commentator, a fine, fine writer. He's the author of The Final Battle, The Next Election Could Be the Last. And uh, David is also the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, best-selling author of uh, several books, including Radical Son, The Black Book of the American Left, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, and I Can't Breathe, How a Radical Hoax is Killing America. 
All right. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping here before we proceed. Uh, the, um, the Junior Steelheads Broadcaster contest is happening. Are you and your family huge Mississauga Steelheads fans? Have you ever dreamed of calling a professional hockey game live on the radio or wish you could have when you were a kid? I mean, you could be the next, I don't know, Danny Gallivan. Danny Gallivan, ask your grandparents. Here's your opportunity for someone in your family or someone you know, aged 8 to 13, to be a part of Steelhead's radio broadcast history. So go to saga960am.ca. This is a great contest. Wow. Saga960am.ca. You'll get all the details there on how to be a part of a Steelhead's January 15th broadcast against the Barry Colts. And again, the contest is open to kids aged 8 to 13. Three winners will be selected and will be part of the broadcast team for the entire day, including pregame interviews, game analysis during intermissions, and of course, the game itself. And uh, we'll announce the winners during the Friday 13th Steelheads game broadcast. Jacob, we should see if we can get the winner on the uh, on the program. What do you think? Wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, well, this is a great, this is just a terrific uh, a contest. Again, your opportunity for your 8 or thir- eight to 13-year-old uh, child, nephew, niece, daughter, to be a part of a, a Steelheads radio broadcast. Again, all the details at saga960am.ca. And uh, the game is January the 15th against the Barry Colts. Again, the contest open to kids aged 8 to 13. All right. Uh, yet another black eye for Veterans Affairs, the Department of Veterans Affairs. Blacklock's reporter reporting that at least, at least 2,400 former soldiers, sailors, and air crew are homeless in Canada, with the actual number likely much higher. Tom Korski, managing editor, is with us. Tom, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Richard. You got in just under the cutoff date. All right. <laughs> I appreciate that. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so it, it seems that they really don't know, right? They just seem to be, they're pulling a number 2,400 because that's the last data set they have from 2016. Way back. Way back. Exactly. Seven years ago. They don't know. They And they guess an internal uh, a briefing note, uh, Richard, they guess that, the actual numbers probably double. They know this. There's a fund. People have never heard of this fund, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of veterans have never heard of it either. It's called the Veterans Emergency Fund, and they started it. This is literally parka and food money. This is for veterans who, who somehow would have the wherewithal to know what number to call, and they would call up and say, look, it, I'm up against it. I literally don't have a parka and I don't have any food, and it's the middle of winter. That program has gone over budget every single year since 2018. They budget a million a year. It goes over budget every year. We've seen audits in the Department of Veterans Affairs, Richard, where auditors have contacted some of the employees who take those calls. And they have testimony from the employees at the department who said, I think I actually have saved lives from veterans in minus 40 in Winnipeg who don't have a parka. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, it's, again, I, I, I sound like a broken record on this program, particularly when I talk about 
the Department of Veterans Affairs, and I used the phrase, a stain on our country. And uh, the treatment of our veterans continues to be a stain. I was going to say, well, I, I guess they could always call the uh, the Veterans Affairs helpline. Uh, but then I thought, no, they'll just be counseled to uh, consider medical assistance in dying. I mean, that's how bad it is. It's, it's, it's inexplicable. You know what, what no one has ever figured out? Why does this go on? You know, the, the, it's not that there are problems that occur in the Department of Veterans Affairs. Only our savior's infallible. No one expects these people to be perfect. It's that they recur over and over and over the same problems. Problems with the homelessness. They've known about this. You, you, you mentioned they've known about this. They've been writing memos about this for six years. They finally got to the point where they stopped counting them. When they talk about the emergency fund budget, they know from the staff what the problem is. Because the staff told them, the staff told the auditors, you know what, I get a call from a, a veteran on the prairies, middle of winter, you know what the temperature's like, it's absolutely fatal. And so we can get them into a hotel room, the grant's up to 2500 bucks. This is on the level, this is all audited, these are people who have veteran service file numbers. But then the employee says, you know what, the next day, we're not putting them up in a hotel in perpetuity. That's unfair to taxpayers. And guess what? The shelters are full. Now what do we do? For six years, they've been trying to circle that square. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I was uh, just looking at some figures here. And uh, the, um, the the number of active personnel in our armed forces is uh, about 70,000, I think. I'm not including reserve personnel. 70,000. So at least 2,400 end up homeless I mean, you know, do the math. Your chances, if you become a member of the Canadian Armed Forces, your chances of ending up on the street in penury uh, is, uh, what, about 1 in 25. Uh, and yet, it's strange to say they're having uh, trouble recruiting. I don't understand. Honestly. Yeah, no, it's inexplicable. Uh many committee investigations and it's like beating their head against a wall. MPs have said it that we over and over and you call the deputy, you get the minister in, you give them a hard time and nothing ever gets better. It's almost as if there isn't a Department of Veterans Affairs. When there's a two-year wait time for uh, medical disability benefits, two-year waits, and, and that's average, just to have someone look at your claim. Royal Canadian Legion has said over and over, do you know how many people come to us Air crew, ex-military, ex-navy, ex-infantry, and they can't figure out the paperwork. And you know what the Minister of Veterans Affairs said in parliamentary hearings? This is Minister McCauley, the current yeah. minister. He said, I, I'd have trouble. I'd have trouble myself with some of the paperwork. Yeah. I had to, and? Yeah. yeah. I had Mark Menke on the program uh, just before Christmas. He runs a podcast helping Canadian combat veterans deal with PTSD and he suffered from PTSD himself and, and uh, is quite candid, almost took his life last year. And he talks about how if you're trying to get benefits, the benefits that you deserve, that you earned as a veteran, they they make you feel like you're some kind of a scammer. Like they check up on you to make sure if those two legs you lost in combat may have miraculously regrown so that you're now ineligible to receive. I mean, this is the way they treat our veterans in this country. Again, a stain on our country. I can't believe Macaulay still has a job. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. He said he has a job, and unfortunately, can you imagine appointing a solicitor general or the attorney general who's not a lawyer? I can't. Can you imagine having a minister of agriculture who knows nothing about, never, never been to a farm? I mean, that, that's never happened. You know what? The current minister of veterans affairs is not a veteran. Most of them for the last 40 years have not been. Highest turnover of any cabinet office. What is that? Mm, tells you a lot. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, Tom. And if uh, if you're not able to speak about this, just tell me to stifle. But uh, any updates on uh, Blacklock's uh, uh, case against the uh, the press gallery? I know it went to an Ontario support uh, Superior Court lawsuit back in uh, December. What's happening there? Anything? Well, we did. Yes, we filed in Ontario Superior Court, and now the uh, defendant, the Canadian Parliamentary Press Gallery Association, has. Uh, it's usually give or take 30 days with holidays uh, to file a statement of defense, as is their statutory right. Then we proceed to uh, this. Uh, anyone who's familiar with the, sort of the gist of civil procedure, you move on to the crucial part, which is examination for discovery. Hmm. That's where you put all documents on the table and you start cross-examining each other under oath and threat of perjury. It's always compelling in civil litigation. Ah. Place where you find out exactly what happened, Rich. Can't wait. Good luck. Godspeed. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. All the best to you, Richard. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks Reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca, blacklocks.ca. They break so many great stories. There's nobody like them in independent media. All right. When we come back, hey, we'll open up the phone lines again. We'll try this. Take two, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Among other things, looking for your New Year's, uh, sorry, not your New Year's uh, resolutions, your New Year's predictions for 2023. Again, bonus points for the most creative. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960 AM. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. I know it's the first live show. It's going to take you a while to uh, to get used to me being live on the microphone again. And you are having an opportunity to call in and join the conversation. 289-275-9600. I mean, you can you can talk about anything, but I was asking for your predictions for 2023. Ideally, the more the more absurd, the better, (laughs) because uh, when it comes to Canada, there's nothing too absurd to predict. All right, uh, let's. Oh, look who it is. It's our good friend, Anonymous. One of these days, he's actually going to tell me his name. Anonymous, welcome to the program. Happy New Year. How are you? 
Yes, was I'm this? here. Yes, go ahead. I'm here. You're on the air. How did you know it was anonymous? <laughs> because I did not have my number. <laughs> because I'm, uh, I'm psychic. That's why I'm doing predictions in 2023. I know. You know, Richard, uh, you are something. I say, you're asking such uh, questions. It's like uh, to come out in front of the world. You know, it's like that kind of intensity. But anyway, I feel like many things, uh, including like Jonah and the uh, sea monsters, uh, belly, so to say. It's time to come out. Sometimes, you know, Jonah and, and the like whale. Many other yes. things. Yes, and uh, I call, I'd like to say sea monster. You know, that is uh, something to think about what it means. Um, uh, this world is like a sea monster to me, you know, where one is devoured alive and maybe time to come out. Otherwise, you might not come out at all. So <laughs> that's the, um, my understanding of things. Uh, as far as myself, I, I think uh, I like to say that um, this would be the, world, uh, the year of uh, very, uh, I'd say, uh, enlightenment like never ever before. Because it has to come out, the light has to come out in the dark, so to say, the darker it gets, the lighter the light uh, shines, so to say. And, I hope uh, you're right. I certainly I, hope you're right. So what, when you say that this will be the year that the, the, the light conquers the darkness, you're talking about uh, truth rising above falsehood the way that oil rises above water. What, what major truth do you think is going to be revealed in 2023? I'd say like this, that um, we, uh, you know, when people are depressed and uh, like uh, negative, we feel dark and heavy. Yes. And this is all negativity. When uh, there is an opposite of it is when we are feeling light, like not depressed and not heavy, not sick, because sick people do not feel light. This is the understanding of it, like uh, when we will finally, and it's an individual process where we become enlightened to the point that we feel light and uh, aware of light within, and we are actually becoming beings of light rather than of heaviness and darkness. And this is the ultimate healing, as far as I understand, which uh, we have to uh, basically find ourselves in and uh, share. And this is the, um, some people will call it uh, the second coming, uh, or a part of it, so to say, at least for those who question. But uh, I believe this is the time when, at least myself, I just can't hold on anymore. Like, I have to kind of speak because uh, it was like I did not call you to, be, to tell you the truth. Uh, in the first segment, like you said, it's, uh, you, you know, I was a little bit hesitant because I feel like a man who has to put his uh, head in the, in the, into the mouth of this lion, so to say, or the beast, so yes. to say, in the, in the circus, and uh, hoping that uh, you will be okay. But I think I just uh, have to do it because it's just like I, I, I don't know not to do it. I am not myself. We all have to do it. We all have to. We all have to take our place. We all have to put ourselves, I think, in uncomfortable situations we all have to talk about the elephant in the room and there's not just one elephant in the room there are multiple you can't even get into the room there are so many elephants and yet nobody wants to uh to point at the elephant in the room we all we we, we all have to collectively start talking about all of the elephants in the room whether it's the vaccine whether it is uh corruption whether it is hypocrisy, whether it is immorality. We do have to judge. We don't condemn, but we have to judge as a society. We have to start judging. 
All right. When we come back, David Horowitz will be here. He is uh, the author of a brand new book called The Final Battle. The next election could be the last. Looking forward to that conversation. Hope you'll be along for the ride. That's coming up in just minutes right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Saga 960. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. High praise uh, indeed for David Horowitz's uh, latest book, The Final Battle. The next election could be the last. Let me just read one from one of my favorite broadcasters, one of my favorite people, period, Dennis Prager. Nothing less than a handbook for the salvation of the United States of America. Wow, that's pretty powerful. David is um, also known for his number one New York Times bestseller, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. And uh, he's also founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Again, the new one is The Final Battle. The next election could be the last. David Horowitz, welcome to the program. Happy New Year. How are you? There we go. I, I heard you. There you are, David. Welcome. <laughs> now, you see, you're, you're used to going on the leftist media where they mute you, but here... There's no mute button. So welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, I want to ask you right out of the uh, the gate ab- about what recently transpired in the House of Representatives and the election of a new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, because you talk about um, Democrats having conducted this sustained assault on the spirit of compromise uh, that binds the union together and set the nation on the path to a one party state. And, and as an outside observer, as a, as a interloper here in Canada, I, I kind of see the, the Republicans and the Democrats really have as having been one party, a uniparty, kind of the donor class. And I see maybe Kevin McCarthy is kind of representative of that. Just give me your thoughts on, on, on his election after 15 ballots as Speaker of the House. I think the Republican Party is just slow. To see the threat here, um, what what I learned watching the, those procedures that absolutely shocked me is that under Nancy Pelosi's rule, there hasn't been a debate on a bill in the House of Representatives for ten years. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. They're just rubber stamped. She, she's, if you wanted evidence that they're totalitarians, they're really fascists, um, and they want a one-party system, I mean, there's no better proof than that. Uh, 
it's so against the whole spirit of American democracy, what the Democrats have done. Once you understand that their mentality is that of criminals, um, the picture becomes a lot clearer. What do I mean by that? Well, we have the worst, it's not just a crisis, the worst crime ever committed by the United States government against its own citizens and its own country is Joe Biden's destruction of the southern border, which has led 5 million people. And that includes, and I, I can explain why, millions of criminals, uh, rapists, kidnappers, terrorists, uh, drug dealers, obviously he's built up the cartels. It's completely illegal what he did. The president of the United States is part of the executive branch. His, his authority is to enforce the law, not to make the law. He destroyed immigration law without any authority to do so. And knowing full well, I don't know if what he knows, that's full well, but the people <laughs> knew full well what he was doing. Um, it's, it's an unimaginable human tragedy what's happening. Uh, you know, all we kind of know is the 1,700 of these migrants have drowned and died in the process. We don't know how many people have been murdered. Um, there was a general accounting office study uh, of the number of illegals in U.S. prisons uh, between the years 2011 and 2016. And the number was 730,000. And the numbers of illegal immigrants was much smaller uh, in those years than it has, you know, mushroomed in the in the Biden years. Right. Right. I mean, the point being that the president swears an oath to defend the border, uh, which he has failed to do. And yet of the United States. Joe Biden needs America. And when I say that, people say, you know, it's hard for a rational person to understand how you can hate America when you look at the rest of the world. But what they do is they're radicals. They're so-called progressives. So they are ideologically delusional into thinking that they can make an actually a much better place than the one what we have if they break our laws, disrespect the Constitution, uh, and carry and, you know, support criminals. Uh, the Republicans say the Democrats are soft on crime. They're pro-crime. They see the criminals as redistributing income, which they think has unjustly been, dis- you know, first of all, nobody distributes the income. The market, which is impersonal, does. Um, but the Democrats consider this social justice when violent criminals run rampant in the streets of New York or Los Angeles and elsewhere and maul innocent people. It's it's just horrendous. Right. The smash and grab at the Walgreens is reparations, apparently. Uh, David, we've got to take a quick time out. We'll come back. Yeah. David Horowitz, the author of The Final Battle, The Next Election 
could be the last more of our conversation in about three minutes. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. We are back in New York Times bestselling author David Horowitz. The brand new one is called The Final Battle. The next election could be the last. And uh, in this devastating expose of the Democrats' nefarious goals, Horowitz reveals the hallmarks of their strategies, including the double standard in justice, Antifa and BLM versus January 6th. Citizenship is disposable, granting non-citizens privileges like voting, welfare and health care. So-called cancel culture and collusion and the defamation of conservative voices. Just getting back to uh, what's taking place in the House, uh, David, do you think that that the Freedom Caucus and MAGA Republicans, people like Chip Roy and Matt Gates, did they win enough concessions from Speaker McCarthy that they can reverse this trend so that they've sort of, you know, they've rewritten the rules and now we can have debate on uh, you know, whether billions should be sent to uh, Zelensky in Ukraine uh, and so forth. Uh, do you, is this, is this a good sign? I'm, I'm a supporter of uh, America's uh, help to the Ukrainians um, because Russia is such a threat. Uh, if, if Russia were to prevail in the Ukraine, they would not only annex the Ukraine, but they move on other countries like Poland. We'd have just, yeah, that's fine, but there should be at least debate, I think you would agree. Well, there is. And Nancy Pelosi runs the House uh, or ran the House without debate. Right. Because she's a fascist. And and people have to get that in their heads and stop calling them liberals. Um, stop saying that they're uh, soft on crime when they're obviously pro-criminal. <laughs> I mean, they... they it's not an accident that, say, New York has lost 4,000 police officers and is a hellhole now. Um, it's quite deliberate. And these people know exactly what they're doing and they intend to do it. it it's a funny thing. I, would, I mean, I think it's more civilized to, you know, offer the benefit of the doubt and to you know, not want to reach such horrendous conclusions. Um, but it's also self-defeating. Right. I mean, it may be too late to offer the benefit of the doubt at this point. That was fine initially, but now it's very late in the game, as you point out, in the final battle. Can we well, talk about... Sorry. Know, I, the, the thing that my, my book does, I mean, it has a lot of information and facts, um, but it's the perspective When you put together the story of what the Democrats have done without sugarcoating it the way Republicans compulsively do and calling it by names that are inappropriate and way too mild, when you look at it that way, you see that they've been on a 10 or 20 year drive to create a one party state and they have no regard for the law, for the Constitution. We have a Supreme Court justice who's a critical race theorist. Critical race theory says that the Constitution is a white supremacist doctrine, which is a laugh uh, and should not be respected. It's it's the document that holds the country together. Um, and, And people have accepted this as perfectly normal. She's sitting on the Supreme Court. Uh, Sotomayor is another 
radical leftist who shouldn't be on the court, uh, not because she's stupid, which she is, but because her her beliefs are that the Constitution is an oppressive document rather than the one that has structured all of our freedoms. Um, when you look at uh, January 6th, remember the first Democrat, first of all, we've had 740 insurrections in the summer of 2020. Um, they burned federal buildings, they burned police stations, they killed people. Uh, they burned the Church of the Presidents, they burned one of the gatehouses at the White House. They, the mob pressed on the, on the, they could have overrun that fence and attacked the White House directly. Uh, all of that is given a pass as peaceful protesting by, by the Democrats. Then we have this very questionable event of, of January 6th, um, questionable because Trump offered to provide 10,000 or even 20,000 National Guardsmen to defend the building. Anybody with two eyes who had paid any kind of attention um, knows, knows um, that, that it was dangerous. These crowds are dangerous. They're violent people on both sides. Uh, and if they are doing this in the proximity of the White House, it's really dangerous, particularly when you have a fascist army like Antifa, which uh, rejects every, the whole system that we have. Right. And it was Nancy Pelosi who was who was charged with, you know, preserving or ensuring the security. Yeah, she turned it down. Yeah. She turned Trump's offer of 10,000 troops down. Well, how can Trump be the uh, leader of an insurrection when he offered the solution, which was to provide a, a reasonable security perimeter around, uh, around the Congress? Uh, and then when you, when you see this video of the Capitol Police encouraging people to enter uh, the chamber, uh, and there's no serious destruction in the chamber. And the Democrats come out and the first thing they say is it's an armed insurrection. And then there's no arms. No arms were confiscated. So they just drop the armed and they continue with the insurrection without explaining how you can have an insurrection without arms. You can't. It's that simple. So there never was an insurrection. That's just a term they use to tar and feather all Republicans or all people who resist them uh, as traitors. Uh, and that's been going on since Trump ran. He was, you know, not under the control of the deep state and all these corrupt intelligence agencies and officials and the FBI. So they conspired to defame them in a way that no human being has been as vilified as Trump. And he still got 74 million votes. So you have to have utter contempt for the American voter uh, if, if you actually believe. And it's impossible for a rational person to believe that Trump is a white supremacist. Anyway, his whole life he spent as a liberal 
you know, invited to the Clintons. He was a member of the Clintons' wedding. Um, received awards from the NAACP. Uh, never, uh, nobody ever introduced Trump as the uh, uh, star of the uh, the host of The Apprentice and a white nationalist. <laughs> uh, David. David, we've got to take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, a few more minutes uh, left to discuss the final battle. The next election could be the last. David Horowitz, founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, best-selling author, back with more of our conversation right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. And we are back with David Horowitz, the author of The Final Battle, The Next Election Could Be the Last. And I want to talk about election integrity for a few moments, if we could, David. Thinking about uh, Katie Hobbs, arguably the most corrupt secretary of state in, in American history. She oversaw and certified her own election, refused to recuse herself, threatened Maricopa County election officials if they didn't certify. Uh, her opponent, Carrie Lake, is uh, intent on taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, how do you see that playing out? And uh, I mean, if they don't, if they can't overturn that election, what does that tell us about future elections? Election. Um, the Democrats know very well. Well, first of all, the Democrats have destroyed election day. So now it's like months you can vote. Um, and they get, they have a, they're very well organized, the Democrats, so they get their vote out early. Uh, and the Republicans have to depend on the vote that comes in on Election Day. And what, what was it, 60 percent of, uh, yes. ele- <laughs> of the election machine? This is like 19th century lore. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, 60% didn't work. So, of course, Katie Hobbs got a margin there because all the Republican voters had to wait hours and hours in line. And, and this was taking, there were five states that had delayed elections because of irregularities. They were all Democrat states. Um, I think the most powerful part of my book is the final chapter. Um, you which includes, I don't know if it's in the actual final chapter, but the final part of the book uh, really begins with Afghanistan. Uh, There is no way to understand uh, Afghanistan, the surrender, the betrayal of all the Afghans, all these women that we encouraged over 20 years to go to school and then abandoned, uh, the 90 million or whatever it is, billion dollars in weapons, advanced weapons, the seven military bases, the five to 7,000 terrorists that were delivered over to the, they, delivering the security of the country into the hands of the Taliban. Uh, you know, you have an evacuation where you have people who have relied on you and you betray them by pulling out your troops first, he pulled out our troops first. How can you understand this except that it's a payoff to Xi Jinping for all the money that's been put in the pockets of the Bidens? And where there's, you know, you have this glaring 
set of crimes, uh, which, of course, the news of which on Hunter's laptop was suppressed during the election. But here's a nobody noticed this story. In in, on the 2nd of January 2021, where Trump had already lost the election, the Iranian was the anniversary of his killing of Soleimani, who was the chief terrorist in the world. The Iranians, Rouhani, the Iranian chieftain, uh, threatened Trump's life, said not only will he be removed from office, but from life. We can never forgive this. Um, his chief, Trump's chief security person, allegedly or officially, was General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And Mark Milley was calling Trump at that time a Hitler and saying that Trump supporters were the Nazis that we fought in World War II and planning to, they did surround the perimeter of the Capitol with barbed wire, but it, it wasn't it wasn't to keep out terrorists. It was to keep out uh, terror, well, terrorists who never showed up, domestic terrorists. They've used it. It's classic. Uh, th- this is what the Nazis did. Hitler got elected chancellor of Germany. And within a month, the Reichstag, which is their House of Representatives, right, the Reichstag fire, burned down. Yeah, and they used that. They accused the communists of doing it, outlawed the Communist Party, and set in motion. They passed a law which criminalized all dissent. That's exactly what the Democrats are trying to do. Right, when January sixth was their Reichstag fire. Right. Well, no reasonable person can say that we're going to have an election after the next one. Uh, well, give us, I mean, is there any positive news that you can leave us with, sure. uh, David? There are several things. One is that, that uh, and, and this isn't uh, a, uh, an advertisement for Trump, but you have to recognize he's done one immense, uh, one immense contribution to the to conservatives and patriots in organizing a mass movement with those rallies. Um, The second is that there's been a spontaneous grassroots um, mass movement because of the unbelievably, it's unbelievable what the, you know, I was a leftist, I was brought up by communists. I could never imagine, uh, you know, castrating children um, for for my ideological agendas, um, but they created a grassroots movement in our schools among these parents, uh, and I think there's going to be a tremendous resistance uh, to the Mark Millies and these other criminals. I, I hope so. I hope so, David. We're out of time. I hope you'll come back sometime. It was uh, great to meet you, and again. The final battle, the next election could be the last available at Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right. That's it for me. Not bad for our first live show of 2023. My thanks to Jody, Declan and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. 
That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.